We are live. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Happy birthday to you. That was not not rehearsed at all. Oh, oh you could you, if you couldn't tell that. You, you, I was beginning to think it was all for naught because the uh, at least the Hangout viewer count said zero on my end, but it's slowly picking up, so hopefully uh, everything's working. Uh, welcome to the show. I turned 33 today, but I always think that uh, people, people I, I remember all my friends, when, when they get to this age, they're like, oh, they just complain about being old. I still feel awesome, man. I still feel awesome, Derek. I don't know. <laughs> You're laughing as I talk about my age, but I feel great, <laughs> and I'm glad to have you guys uh, on the show. Before we start, got to plug our main sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. And uh, how's it going, guys? How's, we've got Rob, Andy, Derek back in the chat. So, so, Rob, how's it going with you? Life's good. Man, we got a lot of new info this week. <laughs> <laughs> got lots to talk about. We've got some... Modern, standard, Omneria, rules changes, all that good stuff to go over. But I do want to quickly talk about how we finally got there. We finally have some amount of First Strike apparel ready for order at com slash apparel. We've got a hoodie, two different shirts uh, that the nation helped me vote on. Uh, the options are limited. We're, we're, this is what I would like to call phase one. Uh, phase two is coming soon with, if, if phase one goes successful, phase two with uh, the snapback cat, the baseball cap that I'm, I'm sure Andy is, can't wait to get his hands on, the polo shirt that uh, fits Rob more, stuff like that. But uh, we have to consolidate the choices because uh, if you're ordering, if we get many orders, small orders for different items, the cost is going to be way too high uh, by, by shrinking it to three and expecting most people to, to like the, the current uh, three things that we have up it is going to be, you know, it's just a win-win for all to allow us to, to keep the prices low and for it to even be possible. So go check it out. It's going to be at mandeprive.com slash apparel. Uh, we're going to give some free discounts and not free discounts, but a discount code to people, everyone in the nation, um, and you can join that by going to patreon.com slash for strike. And this is, again, for people that have loved the show, but the nation didn't really appeal to them because they're not competitive players. Uh, this is another way to sort of give back to us by supporting us with get grabbing yourself one of the nice hoodies or, or T-shirts that we have. We have a pink T-shirt courtesy of Jay Lansdow and Kyle Mathers on the team. And, and I think Derek loves the pink as well. Okay, <laughs> Derek. Yeah, pink's great. I love it. It's good. Edgy. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised when I was brainstorming, but these guys dig the pink. And coming up in in the nation, we've got uh, the le- legacy uh, cyber guys that we're working on that should be out hopefully sometime in the coming week. We got Travis Sowers that's working on this video series strictly on Rivals of Ixalan because it is. Uh, the RPTQ format. So the, the goal of that series is just going to be bringing people from zero to 60, hopefully uh, people, especially good for people who haven't even drafted, just focus on constructed and want to be able to give themselves the best chance as possible at the RPTQ. So that's going to be available 
to the nation, and that's supposed to drop either Thursday or Friday. That's that's the current plan. So lots of sweet stuff for for people in the nation and for Strike Gear. So outside of that, let's just jump into some sweetness. Uh, this past weekend, face to face games dot com Quebec City Open took place. And I got to mention, coming up this weekend is the Edmonton Open Plus. So make sure you check f2fseries.facetofacegames.com on all the details about that big tournament, one of the biggest tournaments in Canada of the year. Uh, for the Quebec City Open, we had Ulysses uh, Gagnon Paradis, who ended up winning with tri- Tribal Zoo. Very clean deck list. Now, you can find all that info on f2fseries.facetofacegames.com. Deck list uh, info, information on all the upcoming events. Tribal Zoos were a very clean deck list, as Derek would mention before the show. A lot of four ofs and a two of Boros Charm. So four Lightning Bolt, four Lightning Helix, four Tribal Flame, four Blood Blur. Man, I can't say this, Andy. <laughs> Blood Braid Elf, four Curdate, four Mantis Rider, four Noble Hierarch, four Tarmogoyf, and four Wild Nacoddle. And Andy, you felt like this deck had a lot of weird choices to you, right? Yeah, so the, the number one weird thing is. I don't get that a deck that is willing to pay red mana for a one-mana creature wouldn't play Goblin Guide over Curd Ape. The third toughness, I think, shouldn't matter at all, for the most part, and haste, obviously, will matter a lot. Like, I guess if they're just desperate not to give their opponent lands and they're the unluckiest, then they could consider playing Curd Ape over it. But I think, I feel like they're just playing Curd Ape because, like, this is my zoo deck. Curd Ape is a zoo card. I feel like that's more of the reason than its actual merit, because it, it's got to be better to be Goblin Guide. Well, what do you think about that, Rob? you think that's true? Goblin Guide is better than Curd Ape? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, red burn decks in modern play forests, <laughs> stomping grounded, they're not running uh, They're not running Curd Ape, so Andy is speaking the truth and uh, definitely preaching to the choir. I agree. There are some other notable weird choices in this deck list that I want to call out too. Um, I think, so first of all, I think this deck must be insane because this mana base is not optimal and some of the card choices are suboptimal as well. And he still ended up winning the entire event, which was like 120 plus people. So like four flooded strand seems very weird in like a Naya-ish deck. I think probably like Arid Mesa seems to fit better. You can still get Steam Vents. Uh, yeah, it's just... There's no island, so I don't know. I feel like Flood Strand is probably not... It's not the land you came looking for. It's probably... It might have been a cost consideration because it was Big Friends in Cons uh, or card availability, potentially. But it's interesting that a deck like this is able to do well um, in an event, given especially how kind of the rest of the top eight looks. It doesn't look like it's very well positioned uh, against those decks, actually. So it's, it's very interesting. You, you mentioned pre-show that Noble Hierarch was weird to you. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> I guess you can, you can consider, like, ramping out a Mantis Rider or a Blood Red Elf as a, as a reasonable play, but I think a lot of times this deck, once it produces more than three mana, it's just like... Maybe it draws Bloodbred Elf, and maybe it gets some value from it. But it's it probably would maybe even be better off like not like shaving on some of these lands, not running Bloodbred Elf, running Goblin Guide in addition to uh, Curdate potentially, and then maybe 
swapping some other cards around and playing like some uh, Atarkas commands or something like that. That deck was kind of already a thing. And I'm not sure if like if Mantis Rider is really like what you need to be doing, but I guess you need islands anyways to make uh, Tribal Flames insane. So I I just I feel like this guy hit Tribal Flames off Blood Raid Elf a lot, and it seemed like it was really good. And uh, I agree. If you're definitely going to hit Tribal Flames off, off Blood Raid Elf, it is really nice. <laughs> but I, just, I don't think that's the average case. <laughs> so, so Andy, you share the same amount of skepticism for, for this deck list. Yeah, like, there's, there's decks that are doing a similar thing, but are doing it cleaner, right? Like, what makes this deck that much better than humans? What makes this deck that much better than, like, the zoo decks with uh, the Bushwhackers? Because those decks are at least faster, and maybe if this deck's supposed to be playing Snapcaster or something to to really wield the extra mana of the Noble, perhaps. Because then the Tribal Flames gets really good; you can start killing people much faster. But I also agree with the Flooded Strand. Like it's not blue and white are only on one of your cards' colors in your main deck, right? <laughs> Just the Mana Strider. Everything else is green or red. Yeah, I. I... I think I'm going to have to check check the deck list to make sure I didn't type it wrong. But uh, you guys make very compelling points. Uh-oh. <laughs> he defeated... Uh... Input error. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. I doubt it. But uh, you're convincing me that there might be something there. Uh, he defeated, in fact, in the finals where Grishel Brand, our friend uh, Final Nub, posted an awesome series, part two to his Grishel Brand guide. And it's... Great to see something that looks really close to a 75 minus like maybe just some sideboard changes. Like this guy is playing by force instead of shattering spree. But I think the rest of the 73 is the same. So that made the top eight Jund as well. And then uh, round out the top eight is a, a copy of uh, Blue Red Moon, Merfolk, Boggles or Bogles, and another copy of Infect. Hmm. So if you want to check out. The deck list, go to, again, f2fseries.facefacegames.com. Um, Andy, what, what have you been messing around with in Modern? Uh, I've been messing around with uh, two decks. It's been mostly Jund and uh, Teamer Scapeshift, uh, the, the two decks that I've talked about previously on the cast. I played the Modern Challenge with the Teamer Scapeshift deck uh, this weekend, and I also played uh, Jund in a Team Trios event this weekend. And... I did pretty well in both. I 5 3 the Modern Challenge, and I went like 4-1 in the team event with Jund. Just uh, Modern's in a really weird place, and the SCG results really showed that Modern's going to be doing some hard shifting for, for the next while as people adapt to these Bloodbred Elf decks, adapt to Jace the Mind Sculptor, and then eventually readapt. And I'm interested to see where it all falls when, when it's done being about metagames, and then it's just about everyone's playing what they think is the most powerful again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, I, w- I was kind of surprised when I had time to tune into a bit of coverage for the SCG Dallas Open and to see Green Red Ponza in, in the finals, and Green Red Ponza something a friend of mine, ex-co-host of the A-team, uh, Matt Mendoza, wrote one of the first uh, ever guide, if not the first guide on Green Red Ponza, and uh, he was really high in that deck, and, and now we're seeing that. Well, what was considered just like a fun deck for anyone that likes land destruction, um, but he, he he always felt like there there was some some competitive um, power to it, and now we're seeing it take down SCG event. 
So very interesting uh, to see the next couple of weeks and how it develops, like you said, Andy. So let's jump to standard. There was a MTGO um, tournament, PTQ taken down by green-white tokens, uh, a deck that we had mentioned quite a few weeks ago, not the exact same list, uh, beating Pat Cox, uh, who was playing, again, Hadana's Climb, uh, a deck that we keep talking about, Derek, week in and week out, and I keep asking you if uh, Pat Cox like went undefeated, uh, at least I think that's his account because it's P underscore Cox, went undefeated in the Swiss, lost in the finals uh, with this deck, and you had mentioned last week when I asked you that you know it, it suffers from inconsistency, but I, I guess it's just powerful enough overall. What's your take on, on its uh, performance? So it's funny because I have been uh, sort of given it to the deck for a while. A um, little funny story from this weekend. I played against somebody who said they were a fan of the cast in a trios event in Standard, and they, they crushed me with the climb deck. And then after the match, they said, thanks for the content. I really enjoy you and everybody on First Strike. And I'm like, oh, like pretty dejected, like not really thinking about what they said. And they walked away. I'm like, oh, for the last three weeks, I've been just saying this Hedonic climb deck is really bad and then they just crush me with it like i wonder how how bad that looks <laughs> and, and now now uh pat cox just comes second at it with the ptq so like maybe it's time to eat my words but like probably not you know jay still needs to be banned so i don't know i think i think um <laughs> I, I, rob said it a couple weeks ago the the meta game is just ready to be picked and everything's going to be changing each week um and i don't think that any of these decks are necessarily bad but I don't think any of them are necessarily good. And I think we see that in the tokens popping up. Like a couple months ago, we saw God Pharaoh's gift come out of nowhere and win a PTQ. I think the same thing is said with this tokens deck. Like this tokens deck may have got a little lucky. Like tokens just crushes blue, black and the Grixis decks. So if you're expecting like 50% of the field to be those things and like maybe 10% to be mono red, like you're probably pretty good to, to win. Um, I assume they just had some. Uh, Wrath effects to beat the Hedonis climb deck, or Pat Cox ran pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I, I still wouldn't play the, the Constrictor deck. But you know what? Maybe I'm just wrong on this one. So it's just weird to see you initially be the Constrictor fanboy, and then to flip and be. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, it's probably just my play style because I I grew up playing limited, but I just can't play enchantments that don't do anything unless you have one of the cards in your deck that like are busted with it and for that to be bristling hydra and snake and like maybe walking ballista sometimes but like if your opponent just has an answer the rest of your deck just had like 80 percent of your deck has a possibility of doing nothing and i just can't play games of magic like that which is why i don't like the deck but it is the most linear in the format and if you're looking to just uh run into your opponent and not really have to care about what they're doing like i would consider playing boggles and standard and that's what this is basically in my opinion you're so you're saying to just recap really quickly you're saying because the deck relies too much on synergy if you're playing against a deck that can kill a certain piece it just yeah, yeah. it's like it's like last season's pummeler deck um you only have so many blossoming defenses if your opponent has more removal than you have blossoming defense they probably beat you right but I don't know. I I haven't finals that constructed PTQ, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, 
we although we do keep seeing this deck come up over and over again, it's important to note that when I pull this uh, tournament up in on MTG Goldfish, all the six threes and up, it is the only copy, and it, I feel like it's something Rob would mention, like that it's the only copy that's done well. So maybe it's it's just a matter of run good. Uh, well, what are your thoughts, oh, Rob? Go ahead. So we're. We're talking about the the list by LiDAR, right? Is he he's the one that actually won? He's the one that actually won, that's, but, but that's the green white deck. Pat Cox came second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually think that given how like if you just kinda like look through the PTQ like top thirty two or whatever, I don't know, like twelve through twenty four is just flush with Grixis energy and blue whack midrange at uh, at seven and two. So given that I agree with Derek that I think the white-green deck would be very good against both blue-black and we, uh, Grixis. Can we back that up? You what? Yeah, I think you actually made a point that was, that was correct. Congrats. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I can also see that, like, I can see this list not having a problem with the Constrictor deck. Like, he has three Skyship in the main deck which was like a card that the green-black deck used to bring in in the mirror in like an older version of standard. There's more value here, and you have like better like just one-shot you with appeal to authority like combo kill um, type of game plan, which I think would looks like it would be hard for Pat Cox's deck to deal with in game one unless he just like came out of the gate with a whining constrictor ballista hand. Like any other hand, I feel like he's probably pretty disadvantaged. And then out of the board... Like, I don't really like Solemnity, but I feel like if you land it, the green-black deck is, like, not going to be able to constrictor you, and I feel like that's also one of their only ways to to victory. And, like, Hadana's Climb also just becomes, like, a complete blank yeah, if, if they <laughs> at that point. Climb, like, how, like the, one of the ways to beat the token deck is to go over the top. And if you can't go over the top, like, the deck plays no flyers, you can't play Walking Ballista... It probably just shuts the entire deck down, right? Yeah, you just like then he has his option of just like sky sovereign you out, or like going wide and combo killing you when you have to tap out to like advance your board to a point where it's relevant. And like yeah. a lot of your cards become real weak. To add to your uh, to add to your point, like we have a green white aggro deck, uh, a white black vampires deck, and another just random white green deck in the top eight. Yeah, it's and- more like it's white green tokens. It's like. Angel Invention, Growing Rates of Illumina. Right, but all, all three of those decks are just really good against the blue-black decks because they just can't beat those cards, right? Yeah, it's like, just too much nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think that that really just goes to show that um, that the format's Grixis or Tokens, <laughs> or maybe Mono Red sometimes, depending on how you're feeling. I think something will change. Like, if this green-white deck picks up steam still, which probably will in the leagues, like, Oh, it's it's through this, through this week. Easy. It should be already, right? I play about I play against vampires or green white tokens probably like once or twice a league. You just yes. need to bring in more golden demises or uh, sweltering suns. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable uh, a reasonable next level. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. Standard's in a cool spot. There's like lots of interesting stuff going on. I really like the way this tokens deck looks. I have a fond. Uh, love for Angel of Invention that I have never been able to make successful, but <laughs> I'm glad someone else is doing something good with it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Con- Connor Bryan did, uh, I think he finished 12th or something like that in a PTQ, did well, posted this type of list in the First Trick Nation. Uh, the key changes are 
that this list uh, in first place decided to play more vehicles, swap Aquatli and, and other creatures. And I decided to, to ask Connor for his thoughts. And he says, you know, the, the vehicles seem like a good way to get around sweepers after sideboarding, and sweepers are getting much more popular in the format. They also add a lot of wild power to the deck, and Abrade is at an all-time low. So they seem well-positioned in the format. The deck supports uh, it better than anything uh so supports it better than anything else in the format, I guess, is what he wanted to say. If blue-black control gains a bigger metagame share, I don't like vehicles as much, but the format still seems really wide open, so it seems like a good choice. Um, Derek, do you, do you agree with Connor about uh, if blue-black is more present, that vehicles maybe not as good? Yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would agree to that. Um, I think, like, if you if you're planning to vehicle somebody on turn three or five, and your opponent goes Scarab God, or goes turn four Brass's Contempt, turn six, uh, Torrential Gearhulk, like you can just get behind really quickly. And I think that was one of the like in, in old Teamer, um, you couldn't bring in too many vehicles because your opponents were just trying to interact with you so much that not only could you crew them, but the actual you had to attack with them. You had to spend energy and like resources to make sure that they were doing something. And sometimes like that just your opponent can actually just interact with you so much that it shuts down those cards. Um, and, and a braid might be going back up in uh, in playability now that this is pop. Sorry, popular because if if your opponent's spending five mana to play a sky sovereign and they kill their snake your snake, or they kill some, like, random Glitzy Cypher and you abrade it, you're probably up on that transaction. You're not losing, right? So, I don't know. Uh, vehicles are always fine, but I think it's the same thing as just picking the right hole in the metagame. But it's just so curious that we're, we're praising this deck list, but we're also saying that it was because of all these blue-black decks in the format, but it's also playing vehicles that we're, we're now also agreeing that was not necessarily the best version. Well, I think so I think that the tokens deck is so good against these blue black decks that the okay. other issue is that they're bad against the other random vampire token decks. And so the best way to beat those decks is to go through the air or like anti sweepers, right? Cuz like what else are they going to bring in other than fumigate, maybe settle the wreckage? Uh same thing with like I guess it would probably be good against God Pharaoh's gift. Like green and white only really has cast out. You have to present some sort of threat on the board. Uh, that will end the game quickly without having you to uh, invest a lot of resources. But I assume that, like, if you look at the top 32, there's a lot of random white and green decks. So I think that Sky Sovereign's probably was just the trump in those matchups. Like, people were waiting to go to post board and bring in their Sky Sovereigns, and this person already had it. So winning game one probably got them a lot of equity. Man, Rob, uh, Derek's making a lot of sense t- uh, to me tonight. What's wrong? I'm I'm confused. <laughs> you let him talk first. That's what happens. <laughs> we've, we've, we've fallen into the twilight zone. <laughs> but it, it looks like like uh, people just are, don't want to play with Blossoming Defense. Like That card has actually fallen out of favor. And instead of like trying to blank Braska's Contempt on like your your king, like, you know, protect the queen type strategy, you're just like, never mind, I'll blank Braska's Contempt just by like making sure that like all my cards are redundant and you know their one for one removal like is not really gonna get me it's not gonna get them anywhere. And it seems like that strategy worked and I think LIDAR's sideboard is just 
better built for how the top eight ended up looking. And having the three sky ship in the main deck, I I mean, I, I just feel like it's great against everything. And like, it doesn't even matter if it's not great against blue black because the rest of his deck is just like basically built to crush them. So I don't know. Th- this guy definitely had a plan and uh, he was able to execute it. So good for him or her, I guess. Okay. Uh, Let's let's get some uh, hot takes here, uh, Derek. Uh, people heading into the tournament, uh, into a standard tournament this weekend. What's what's the best deck? Uh, I think that if everybody in paper is playing the blue black deck, you should play tokens. If everybody's playing tokens, you should play blue black. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like, like, what? Uh, maybe you should play approach. That's it. That's it. Play approach. You have fumigate. You have settled the wreckage. You have Gearhawk. What more could you want? You have alternate win conditions. Okay, approach is new meta. That's the hot take. All right, we've come full circle. Approach is going to win the next standard Grand Prix. You heard it here first. Okay. okay. Or maybe play Green Red. Actually, Glorybringer seems pretty good against tokens. Okay, let's let's get your take, Andy. What, what's what's the hot standard uh, deck given this uh, PTQ? The info we're getting. Um, I think the the best decks are are still the same Scarab Scarab God decks. I think these green white decks are a lot more powerful than they look. Like they look kind of like this mismatch mishmash of stuff. But I, I like the vehicles over Hwatli. The ve- like so I liked Hwatli a lot. But the vehicles provide these like must kill threats. But you're already spending all your time trying not to die to everything else. That eventually something's not going to get killed. They have seven very good vehicles in their deck. So maybe this green-white deck is is much better than even I've given it credit for. And it has Solemnity in the sideboard, which is a card that I've always not liked that much, but it, it is just a big trump in certain matchups. But uh, I personally would still play blue-black control, but I wouldn't fault anyone for trying one of these green-white aggro decks. I actually might start testing the green-white aggro deck because it looks really... like It's in a really good spot right now. And so if, it depends how fast your, your metagames move or whatever, as, as usual with standard. But I think you could play the green-white deck or like blue-black control or Grixis energy. Those are the decks I would consider. But we're still on the, the best deck with Scarab God trade. Yes, yeah, Scarab God's one of the best creatures to ever exist in a standard format. Gotcha. Uh, Rob, what, what's your theory? I know your, your mind is focused on sealed, but what is the theory part of your mind think. Yeah, I feel like I would probably be jamming green-white if I didn't have a lot of testing uh, to do. Like, I feel like... Uh, you really like LiDAR's list, it seems like. No, I, I, think, it's, I think it's very well-constructed. I think in, in, in paper magic, it's very difficult to switch decks, and people would have been, like, deep on Grixis or Blue-Black already, or a deck that's irrelevant currently, like Mono-Red um, or Martyr Vehicles. So in that case they're not going to be able to adapt properly to this uh, in time. Like, So if I had a PPTQ uh, coming up this weekend, I would probably be looking to build this if I had the cards for it, which it looks like most people will because it's pretty cheap. Yeah, it's one of the cheapest decks uh, running at, well, 119 ticks according to MTG Goldfish. And yeah. uh, the rest are in the 300 <laughs> range. Yeah. I actually don't think I would change a single card, to be fair. I think the whole 75 looks pretty decent. All right. 
Um, positive Rob played Green White. That's, that's, <laughs> that's good. I, I'm glad there's something fresh coming come to the top in standard. It's good. We're actually moving. My prediction at the beginning of the season was correct. Standard is standard power level will move, which means we're in a good standard format. Life life is good for people that like standard right now. This is what you asked for. Don't whine about anything else. Um, no more whining. Let's 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 move on to uh, some you know. The, the biggest news that came out on Friday, of course, we, we had to wait until tonight to talk about it. Uh, Friday, people freaking out. Um, the Mineria uh, release notes in Chinese were uh, spoiled somewhere. I don't remember exact details. And then um, I was panicking, actually, because then different Facebook groups starting started to post different details and um, trying to translate the page as well. And... I was gonna. I, I contacted Watsi because I was like, you know, I don't want anyone to get in trouble for this. Like, should we delete this? And they're like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're working on a press release or, or or a post announcement really soon. And they posted it right away that it was unfortunate, um, but they're just gonna, I guess, try to be ahead of the curve and just release what was in them uh, without like right now. It's a lot. A lot of cards were released. Uh, and the part of it that was released, the, the sad part is that it was the mythics and the rares. A lot of them were, if not all of them, were, were shown. So that really sucks for those of us who are, are waiting for it to be officially spoiled and spoiled the right way. It sucks for all content creators around the world that uh, usually get preview cards to show off um, as a huge boost to, to their traffic. So uh, I feel bad for that. Um, but I don't know. I, I was just I was just in shock, uh, Rob. <laughs> I don't, I'm a lot lost for words. It's kind of like when the God books got spoiled for uh, New Phyrexia, I think it was right. <laughs> but I mean, it was even worse in the beginning because everyone's like talking about some of the cards, and that they don't know if they're allowed to talk about it or not. They also don't know what any of the cards really do because the Chinese translation. Because they're just like letting up, you know, Google auto translate or whatever. <laughs> like some of the text it's spitting out is just incomprehensible. So it was, I don't know, it was a pretty fun 12 hours, I think, or whatever, however long it took Watsi to respond. But I was very impressed that they just kind of like owned it and were like, yeah, you know, we kind of screwed this up and it sucks, but whatever. Here's the actual English card list. So you guys aren't like, you know, guessing and like thinking a bunch of cards do something they don't. And it also allows us to, like, you know, talk about it and kind of hype the setup, which is also fine. And apparently they had a bunch of stuff to still show, as we see from, like, the first actual Saga preview card today, which was just, like, had the weirdest frame I've seen yet. <laughs> so I feel like there's still some stuff that's interesting in the set, and they, they felt like, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, let's just move on. So, yeah, I don't know. Kudos to Watsi. I, I hope this is, like, the start of a trend from them where they they're like more open, more quick to respond to nonsense like this. Cause like it, it kind of sucks as a content creator being like, Oh, I can't really talk about this because I might be spreading a leak or some other garbage <laughs> that end up on the ban list. Right. It's uh it's rough. And, and you manage a Facebook group where that may or may not have been happening. Right. Or like it's able to happen. So it's also, you're like guilty by association with the with the material. I don't know. It's all kind of sketch. So I'm glad they just came out and, and said, we're cool. This is what it is. Let's talk about it. I do think it sucks to not see the art, though. Going through the list of cards has been a nightmare. 
And like <laughs> my brain is unable to absorb the information without the picture, which is not something I, I would have thought before. I would have, if you would have asked me, I would have said printing just a black box in that card, in that art frame would have been totally fine for me. It would not have changed my experience one bit. That is apparently completely incorrect. I, yeah, I, I think that's a pleasant surprise that they were able, they turn it around just within hours and just came up with something, uh, mentioned it. And uh, it, it was scary just to see really public forums spread it. And uh, I don't really remember. It's been a while, but I guess not that long since uh, judges were, were banned for uh, spreading uh, spoilers. So definitely have to be careful. And uh, I think that, you know, if, if, Watsi has been good to me, and I know that I don't want to. Uh, I want them if they if they're if they want spoilers to be spoiled the right way, um, and I want to respect um, their choice, and especially content creators getting their, their chance of having an exciting method a rare to spoil. Because now the the amount of choices have like shrunk, or I don't again I don't really know if they've spoiled them all, but the list has definitely gone down. And uh, that sucks for, for a lot of, especially the smaller content creators that, that really rely on that to, to get that little spike in their podcast or on their article or on their little website or they get traffic from people that they normally wouldn't. And, and people are like, hey, cool site, cool podcast. It's an art reveal now, though, KYT. So mm, yeah, get the spoiler, people show off the art. <laughs> so we've drawn in all those like Vorthos people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And some cards do have some badass art, so I'm, ex- I'm excited to see the art for some of these. Uh, but speaking of art, and you mentioned the, the first Saga card that, that Blake spoiled uh, when he met, talked about this news for Exxon Scriptures. Um, what's your initial first take on the art, uh, Rob? So, at first, I w- it's kind of jarring, but like the more I look at it, the more I'm okay with it. I feel like it would be really noisy in like a landscape text box underneath the art. And, you know, they're kind of exploring different frames. Um, Sometimes that's worked out miserably. I think this one actually kind of still looks like a magic card. Um, And you get to see like what all of the saga does, like when you fan the cards out in your hand, which I think is a benefit since there's kind of a lot of stuff going on with some of these. Uh, The only thing that I think is weird is that they aren't legendary enchantments. Um, given that I think most of them are like, anyways, there's some mythic ones. It feels like they're telling some sort of story. There's a legendary like main theme in the set. Um, So I think it's weird that they're not legendary. Like, and you have two of these out at the same time. Like where's the flavor in that you're telling two parts of the story simultaneously, just terrible. Anyways, other than that though, I think the frame's pretty sweet and the art for Frexian scriptures actually looks pretty, pretty badass as well. The, The saga, I think it's saga. Uh, Dark Ritual is the is a sort of far out more of the Frexian scriptures. If you look at the art, I retweeted it today. Catch me out on twitter.com at Misplaced Ginger. Uh, they, they put the two arts together. Uh, it's they're on like a, a table or whatever, and they're getting like sawed up, and there's blood everywhere. It's really sweet. That's all I have to say. I think it was really cool. Now I need to scroll through Twitter and look at Derek's stupid Twitter post. Damn it. There's a search bar. I can't do it. I can't you're, use it. I don't know. I'm not a Twitter. I don't know. Moto has a search bar. You can use the search bar. Andy, what do you think about the this card? Doesn't it look like a, a tip card? <laughs> yeah, you just throw it out at the beginning of uh, your draft. Uh, it, it looks really 
jarring to look at to me. So all of the text all in a line like that, just uh, for some reason, it just throws me off more than having to read like all of it below. But there's some cards where there's so much text, I won't read it. So like, at least this is trying to put it in a way that might get me to read it. But they, they've done something similar with like Demonic Pact. And like, it's just like line, this is what it does, then this is what it does. But then they have to explain sort of how it works. So I, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about the the way the way it looks. It's a little confusing, and it's just so wordy. And I don't know how much they could do it better, but I don't like the way they look. I agree. Is it, uh, is it better or worse than uh, the masterpieces from Amonkhet? <laughs> I much prefer the masterpieces from Amonkhet. They actually oh, look dang. fine in person. Do you think yeah. they'll do masterpieces of the saga? You think they're going to do this for this set? Yeah, yeah, sure. No, yes. no I, I don't think so. I don't think More so. to talk about. <laughs> I oh. love Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> Shouts to uh, Zylog in in the chat for uh, saying that we should show the card, and shouts to him for uh, saying that I should be really pissed as a content creator because they they screwed us with the uh, with the leak. And yeah, I mean, it sucks, but I'm. I don't know how mad I should be, Rob. Like, can they stop? Like, they haven't been able to stop leaks, and it's always some some person. I think it's easy for that some person to just keep sharing, get overexcited, share a document. Um, maybe they need to be stricter with with. I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, yeah, it does kind of suck, but we get to talk about kind of all, all the cards now without <laughs> without like having to like hype up falsely maybe like whatever card we got which i mean usually we don't have to do that because so far like mana deprived has been known for getting some real busted cards it's like yeah i think you have a 50 percent hit rate for being like one of the best cards in some format so that i mean that's sweet which I, I don't feel like they're doing that on purpose i feel like they also don't know the card's going to be broken Card's actually just insane. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see what we actually end up with. But I, I also think it's fine just to like chat about some stuff. I feel like there's gonna be some good cards that are kind of slipped through the cracks now because people are just gonna be talking about random stuff and there's gonna be like not a group that's really focused on like hyping up each card in the same way that they would be if they got a spoiler, like an actual spoiler that no one had seen before. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's, all, it's all weird. There's also too much information to process. Yeah. And all the cards are wordy, so it's, it's very difficult consuming the whole spoiler this way. Yeah, people, people hate leaks because of like the integrity issues. It's just that when you show me 100 cards at once, I can't even begin to process them. I just see... <laughs> I, I can maybe remember a card and I've read all of them probably three times today and I can only remember what like two of them do. My pea brain can't handle getting a hundred cards at once. I want to <laughs> see one card a day from different websites and then I can get hyped slower and I can digest it and there'll be <laughs> pictures. That's what I need. Uh, I love you, Andy. Um, you, you and Derek had mentioned before the show that Maybe this card could have been look like because they've done a pact uh, before that looks like that. Uh, I mean that that has mo- multiple uh, different modes that you can choose on upkeep. I, I forget the name of the card. A uh, pact of uh, demonic pact. Demonic pact. 
And but I, I guess for the saga, they have to make it look different because it's in, like a whole new mechanic. But uh, overall, I think we're, we're on Rob thinking it doesn't look that bad, and, and Andy thinking it could look a lot better. Yeah, like it, it looks. You, you said it. The first thing you said, it looks like a tip card. You're going to open it in your draft, and you're going to throw it out. <laughs> it's like, whoops! Oh no! <laughs> Rip it in half. Um, Rob, uh, any quick takes on if this card is actually even good? I think it might be okay. I'm not sure that it's immediately good. Um, I feel like they need to print some more other like relevant artifact creatures for it to really be something that you care about in standard. But it's it's like kind of rare that a mid-range deck is able to actually play a Wrath. And so I don't, I'm not sure that this would be a main deck card, but I feel like it has some relevance in certain matchups if there's like some sort of black artifact deck. I mean, it's at least not terrible with Torrential Gearhulk, I guess. It does not kill that. Um, and the Black Wraths and Standard are already pretty bad, so maybe this is where you need to be. Probably not, but if you're curving like one drop, two drop, three drop into this, and they're all artifacts, and the meta becomes very non-artifact mid-rangey, then it could have a space in some sideboards against like, I don't know, that green-white tokens deck, for example. Okay. For for our listeners, I completely forgot. I gotta. I should mention what the, what the card does uh, for the pure listeners. Phyrexian Scriptures, uh, double black and two colorless for the cast. Uh, as the saga enters and after your draw step, add a lore counter. Sacrifice after three, one. Put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature. That creature becomes an artifact in addition to its other types. Two. Destroy all non-artifact creatures and three exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. Ready? Let's go to. Uh, I'm going to pull this up really quick. Let's go on to one of the more exciting cards. Um, there is no image for this, but I'll still just put it up on screen. Karn, nice. Karn Daddy, Karn Sign of Urza. Starts with five loyalty, four, four to cast, four colorless, plus one. Uh, reveal the top two cards of your library. An opponent chooses one of them. Put that card into your hand and exile the other with a silver counter on it. Minus one, put a card you own with a silver counter on it from exile into your hand. And minus two, create a zero, zero colorless cons- construct artifact creature token with. This creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. Um, I had a message. I thought this card was insane. After talking to Derek and Andy, Rob didn't think it was that. So I asked even Brian for his quick take. He doesn't think it's broken. Um, I'll start with you, Andy. Isn't this card insane? I think it's very good. It could, <laughs> like So it doesn't protect itself and it doesn't affect the board, which is two things that all the best Planeswalkers do for the most part. But what it does is it costs colorless mana. So this means that it could go into a lot of different kind of decks. And what it does is it can create colorless artifact creatures, and that could be very good if there is, like, an artifact-centric deck. And the plus is obviously just, like, draw the worst card of your top two, but you can, like, cash it in later to minus to draw one of those cards that you didn't get to have before. It's a unique way to draw cards. I think it's a good ability. And going to six loyalty is an ability to protect itself, I think. On turn four, putting your Planeswalker to six loyalty that's drawing you cards is a pretty powerful effect. And I think with Llanowar Elves returning to standard as well, 
I could see this even going to mid-range decks or something like that, just to draw cards, potentially make some threats if they already have some artifact synergies or artifact creature synergies. I think it fits in a good spot where it goes to enough loyalty to matter and it can draw you cards and it's colorless. So like, I would be very surprised if this doesn't get played in, <laughs> in some reasonable capacity. Okay, Derek? I think this card's pretty sweet. Um, it's just colorless. You can just put it in any deck you want. There's not really a downside. And it's not like it's it's arc arc uh, archetype based. Like you, you could <laughs> like you can just draw cards. Like if you want to put cards in your hand, you can do that. Uh, I mean, it's not busted. It doesn't kill things, but it it probably plays pretty bad from behind. But it's not like not bad by any sense <laughs> of the word. Like oh, how, God. Many color, how many colorless planeswalkers have been bad? There's only been, what, two? Karn and Ugin? And both of those cards were busted? So, like, I don't know. Seems pretty good to me. Okay, well, we're seeing a... I think I feel like a, a more average take from, from Casual Ginger here, and, and I, think it, I think this might be busted. And now here to tell us why this card sucks, Negative Rob, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it sucks. I just don't think it's insane. Like, Derek... Derek thinks it's like the second coming of Jace the Standard or something. It is. But, Karn wins on turn four. Okay, I'm going to explain why you're wrong. You were making sense at the beginning of the cast. Earlier you said I was right, so I'm just we've always... Lost, we've lost you, Derek. <laughs> we, or maybe we got you back. It's probably there's, more like There's that. no pictures. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Derek can't judge the power level correctly. He's unable to see the artwork. Okay, so the first ability, reveal the top two cards of your library. An opponent chooses one of them. Put that card in your hand and exile the other with a, with a silver counter on it. This ability is like not very good, because what you're doing is you're drawing the worst of two cards from the top of your deck. And then, like at a later point, if the other card was good, you can minus <laughs> to get it back uh, on, a, on a different turn. So I, I just think this is like more like Steam Augury type problem. Like people thought it was like the second coming of Factor Fiction. But it's like, oh, actually giving your opponent the ability to choose between two piles is actually like very much changes the power level of the card. So like you're never getting what you want. Usually getting something you absolutely do not want. Um, and is usually uh, irrelevant uh, at some point in the game. Now, his second minus ability, because he doesn't really have an ultimate, Minus two, create a, a zero zero colorless artifact creature that has, uh, like power and toughness equal to artifacts. Is that what it is? It has plus one plus one for each artifact you control, right? So make a one one that can grow. Um, is interesting, but not right now. I think if this card is foreshadowing us returning to Mirrodin within like the next six to nine months, then at that point this card could be could be good. I think it's probably like. Below average until then, uh, nice. except for in modern and legacy, where I think I actually like minus minus making like two six sixes or something in an affinity deck or larger is is maybe very good and at least for consideration as a replacement for like the hazard slot in uh, like you know to battle up against Jund or something like that. Whoa! Like to replace hazard in which deck? In affinity. 
Like there was like a flex slot people were trying out where it's like, uh, maybe I'll just play something that's like really difficult for Jund or Grixis to deal with, and that's usually Hazard. I think I missed um, that evolution. As is this recent? Uh, I I don't know. It's not like yeah. Like Jund has been playing one Hazard too sometimes here and there, um, trying it out like you know for the mirror and against like the other decks that don't have you know good access to exile removal. And it's like okay, I'm not sure if it's good or not. I think Affinity is a reasonable place for it. Like they can get Hellbent pretty quickly. You can reduce four mana on turn two or three sometimes, so it can be very good. It's also like a card that's like when you only have two mana, it's completely dead in that kind of deck, and that can happen as well. But I think you're probably looking to play a little bit of a longer game against Jund, anyways, since they're just like a control deck against you for the most part. So I don't know. Karn seems interesting there. You don't have any mana requirements to meet, and you can just make like Master of Ethereum sort of, um, which you know is a reasonable card advantage. Bloodbraid Elf changes the equation a little bit, but we'll see kind of like how that all ends up shaking out. I feel like casting this on like turn one or something in Legacy might be, or Vintage might be interesting though. <laughs> like, is that good? I'm not sure. I feel like the, the one thing <laughs> that I want to point out is that, that uh, if you have multiple cards, they combo with each other. It's just put a card you own with a silver counter on it. it it's not Karn specific like Big Karn is. Like, if they Vrasus Contempt your Karn after you plus one, you can play second Karn and get the card back, right? So it's just, like, always card advantage. There's, like, no downside to this card unless you're behind. Yeah, no, uh, the downside to this card is just opportunity cost. It's like, could a, could Glimmer of Genius been better in my blue-back control deck than playing Why this, not right? both? Yeah, well, I mean, you're already kind of jammed at the four-drop slot, Derek. I'm not sure if you've looked at the deck list recently. <laughs> I can't read. With, without pictures, I have nothing <laughs> in my head. I look Do at the we... photos, I memorize what it says, that's how it works. Do we know 100% that this is four colorless to cast? Because I know like, when you read through the document, and I'm not sure that all the casting costs were like very explicit. Like Some of them just said like they converted mana like, costs. Right? No, just said, like five. Didn't like Jay just say five in the, in the leaked document? It didn't say like three red, 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 or two red, red, red or something, didn't it? Oh, I was kind of hoping you were going to say it's wingdings. Wingdings <laughs> mana costs would be... It, cool. it, probably, it probably is colorless. Four it's just, like, wingdings. Karn's legendary uh, sorcery is blue, so I thought maybe they were kind of trolling us a little bit. Oh, sure. because he has Venser's heart, he could be blue-white. No, Teferi's blue-white. <laughs> I think that would be kind of weird. <laughs> okay, well, R.I.P. Venser. I, I think I'm getting convinced this card... I'm actually getting convinced this card is... Uh, well, not really. I was uh, once, once we talked about pre-show, I thought it was insane. I still think it's insane after this discussion. Uh, Andy, uh, can you catch up to me as the resident affinity expert? Uh, what has transpired over the couple of weeks? Have people actually been uh, testing out Hazret in the list? And do you see Karn possibly being a sideboard card in, in, or, or a main deck card in, in future affinity lists? I love it. KYT is like, uh, are these guys crazy? <laughs> Hazret. Yeah, no. Uh, people, people have played Hazret in their decks, and uh, Karn could certainly see see play in those decks because it does kind of a couple of good things. It's good card advantagey thing, and maybe if you're getting like locked out by Stony Silence, it'll it'll help you because it's like colorless to cast, right? So maybe you can still cast it. I, I don't know the card. The card's certainly worth exploring because of how different of how different it is for a colorless card to have these abilities. So I'm certainly gonna try it. 
But uh, whether or not it works out, we'll uh, we'll have to see when when it finally comes out. I just said, have you been trying the hazard strategy? Like, do you think it's good? You've just seen it in. Oh, I don't think hazard's good, but okay. it's it's very close to good. And, and with Jun being better, if you already have four etch champions, then maybe you, you gotta put a hazard in your deck. <laughs> uh. Rob, you were about to jump in there. <laughs> it's okay. I was just gonna say, uh, you know, Karn is great with the artifact lands, so I feel like uh, you know, giving some value to your extra value to your dark steel citadels feels it'll feel good, man. Oh, <laughs> you can make you can make like some 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 six six seven seven ten tens. Who knows? Yeah, they're they're big. He's gonna end the game fast. I feel. All right. Um, we're going to quickly talk about um, your thoughts, Rob, on legendary sorceries. These are uh, one of the newer mechanics. They, they, they said, Blake said in his article, Blake from Watsi said in his article that Saga was the most exciting or interesting mechanic to come in Dominaria. But then there's something called a, a new type of legendary card, legendary sorceries. And you may cast legendary sorcery only if you control a legendary creature or planeswalker. Excited about this mechanic or not? Positive, Rob. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, so there's a couple of things I just don't understand with it. I don't understand why it's just legendary creature and planeswalker. Like, why isn't it just legendary permanent? I'm not sure that restricting it makes it like any. I mean, it makes it worse for sure. But like, is it necessary to make it that much? Like, is it OP? If it's just legendary permanent, I'm not sure that is. Also, like, just calling it a legendary sorcery doesn't do anything. Like, it still needs that reminder text that's like, you need to control a legendary creature or planeswalker to cast a spell. So, I feel like it's way too much of a gimmick. And this set has a bunch of gimmick stuff going on. I They went a little bit overboard with this one. This is, I think, as Andy put in the pre-show, the Megamorph of the set. <laughs> Which, uh... I feel like that's a very apt description. Um, it just, I feel it's unnecessary. Probably the whole mechanic is unnecessary. I'm not even sure that this is going to be relevant in any meaningful way. The cards that I've seen don't seem overly busted for the hoops you have to jump through to, uh, to be able to cast them. Uh, at some point, I thought because um, I have, I, for my job, I have to cover a variety of card games besides Magic. Uh, Pokemon just came out with a set called Ultra Prism where they came up with cards that you can only have one single copy of in your entire deck. And I was like, oh, maybe I completely, for that moment, I completely forgot what legendary sorcery we were. I'm like, hey, maybe they made like cards so busted that you can only play a miser's copy. But they came up with this, and if Rob is right, and it's like an insignificant uh, mechanic where, where it's not really used, that's, that's what I really don't like, uh, especially like the brick counter that I wish... I was excited about like some, some a feeling of building bricks of, about building towards something, but it was building towards a whole lot of nothing because we nothing happened. Nothing happened. The camel that that we spoil while it was good sometimes limited for some people. Uh, it was an exciting card that could have used some sort of synergy to allow it to be playable in more formats, and then they just didn't do anything with the brick brick counter mechanic. I'm um, not really sure they did. Well, treasures 
were used a lot more than breaks, I think. So, uh, Andy, what's your take on uh, legendary sorcery? Your quick take here. Um, like, can you just imagine, like, you have this, like, bomb diggity spell, and you're just desperate to cast it, and you draw your planeswalker, and you're finally like, thank goodness I have this lousy planeswalker so I can cast my six-mana time walk bounce a spell, or bounce a card. Like, is there, there's gonna have to be some, like, middling legendary stuff or like some legendary things that just naturally sort of happen for you to want to play legendary sorcerers. You can't cast them. <laughs> That's so bad. So you'd have like a cheap planeswalker that does like, doesn't die. Like, can you imagine you're like, Oh, finally I'm, I'm living. My, my legendary permanent is still in play. I can finally cast my spell. Like you're already winning most of the time. If you have something that's legendary in play, whether be it planeswalker or creature, so they'd have to start making bad legendaries like Kamigawa again for you to actually cast your spells without already being ahead. I hate them. I think this might be maybe casual ginger would love this because I think it fits the condition of being really exciting that certain conditions happen and then you can finally fire off that sorcery. What do you think, casual ginger? No, I think these are pretty sweet. Uh, it, like, not only does it make it exciting, but it, like, regulates your deck building. Like, I was looking at, whatever, the Kamal's Druidic Vow. That card seems insane if you can get to 10 mana. I'd really like it if my opponent just didn't cast that every time they had 10 mana, if they had to have a Planeswalker. It creates, like, inter- interesting gameplays, and, like, you can play it in Commander, obviously. Like, your your Commander's a Planeswalker, so you just can always cast it if you're commanders in play and i'm pretty sure they announced that they were going to have like a a legendary permanent in every pack so it's not like these cards are just going to be blanks uh for limited all the time and i think they're just trying to uh like create more interesting gameplay for standard i really hope they don't screw it up because uh i'm kind of enjoying playing it right now but i think they're sweet and i think andy and rob are wrong well i didn't think about the commander implications casual ginger that's yeah. actually very relevant commander thanks for your insight derek very much appreciate hey, listen, it. without without commander all your cards would be worth nothing okay yeah, there are they're already worth nothing watsi reprints them like every two months oh boohoo I'm not, saying I, I'm not saying i care i'm just that's a fact that's all <laughs> i think it might again i think the whole thing is the the high people will get from these conditions and if derek um, is right. I didn't. I didn't read about this. Is that there? There is a legendary permanent in every pack. Then casting a le- like being able to cast a legendary sorcery during like any draft. I mean, it has to be one of those hype moments that people like to talk about after the fact. They're just like, oh my god, I ripped like I needed to top deck this legendary permanent, and I got there. So might lead to these like high variance stories that that people like. Like, what do you think about that, Rob? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, Karn's Temporal Sundering doesn't seem great. I mean, sure, you can cast it, but, like, it's not... It's, it's like, worse than Time Warp or whatever, right? Um, Ursus Ruinous Blast? Exile all non-land permanents that aren't legendary? What are these? That, that, are might, be, that might be good. <laughs> but, I mean, if there's a legendary card in every pack and people have a bunch of legendary stuff, like, who, the variance on this card is also kind of going to be kind of weird. 
I think that like Kamal's Druidic Vow is also like Genesis Wave. It wasn't like a limited bomb or anything, so I don't think that's going to be insane. But Jaya's Inhaling Inferno, on the other hand, like yeah, sure. If you have a red legendary card and you get to pay like a red red four and deal four damage to three things, yeah, that's going to feel that's going to feel pretty good. Um, the other ones, I mean, I'm not sure that you're you're going to care. I mean, maybe you'll be excited, like ah, oh, I cast card and Temporal Sunday. I took an extra turn, and now I'm dead. It's like casting fog sometimes, you know. So. uh yeah, well, you're, the white one has to be good. It does it. I mean, it's what, like what if I have legendary permanents? What if I have more legendary permanents than you have? I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how this set's gonna play out, but <laughs> we'll see. I mean, yeah, it depends. Like, if if there's like a legendary deck, if that's an archetype in this format, then uh, then like maybe you have that and you take it. And it's it's cool. Um, and maybe most other decks are not like that. But if there's just like. 40% of cards in all decks are legendary or something weird. Like, kind of like, uh, what was it, like, Betrayers or Champions or something like that kind of had that, that weird problem going on. Then, yeah, like, it's, who cares? <laughs> it's like a bad bad wrath, a weird wrath, terrible, tragic arrogance, something like that. All right. We'll, we'll wrap up the show with, with one final topic, and it's all, all about our thoughts on the Planeswalker redirection rule. Uh, it is interesting on Blog Talk, on Mark Rolls Waters, uh, Tumblr, in October 7th in 2017, he answered a question, uh, what Planeswalker Redirection Rule change? And then he, he replied, with starting soon, we're taking away Planeswalker Redirection Rule and we'll instead tell you on the card specifically whether the card can target Planeswalkers. All of the old relevant cards will have player change to player or Planeswalker. And then with the Dominaria uh, re- being released, the details being released, it, it, were, it were part of that. And um, that has led to a lot of people freaking out and a lot of judges even on Facebook saying, wow, it changes the text of a lot of relevant cards in the past. Don't know if the details of all the cards, like the details aren't out for all the old cards. We just know that it's in the release notes that the Planeswalker redirection rules uh, will be removed. So, um, wow. Andy, quick reaction to this. So my my first instinct was that this isn't going to matter that much because, like, it's not going to be that confusing. Most cards, it'll be pretty obvious what to do. And then someone's just like, what does Serum Blaze do now? And I looked at it, and I thought, and I never figured it out. I've got no clue if it does three damage to, a, a pl- like, a Planeswalker now. No clue. And then I was like, what about Eidolon? I've got no clue if that can deal damage to anything. And I'm, like, pretty enfranchised. And imagine, like, you're just this burn player who doesn't read Watsy's articles that they print all the t- or all the time, and you just show up to a tournament, and you don't even like you don't know how your searing blazes work. You don't know how Eidolon works anymore. It's I feel like it might be a mess. It it might be a mess for just like some corner case cards, because I, I just what what is searing blaze gonna do? <laughs> That's what I keep going back to when it says like target creature or target. Player and target creature that player controls. Can can you redirect it? It's not clear to me. Rob, Rob, what's the answer? I have no idea. This is a nightmare. Like, I understand that, yes, they should have had this probably from the beginning, but they didn't have Planeswalkers. The redirection rule has, I think, already changed once, where they kind of said, oh, you can actually target a Planeswalker specifically now. You don't have to target a player. So they, they started having cards that referenced 
the planeswalker like um i don't know there was like some born of the gods card flame conjuring or something it could deal five damage to a planeswalker or whatever i forget exactly what the text was but know. yeah they're breaking they're breaking new ground there and then they come up with this stupid thing that's like hey guess what so if we print a new lava spike that's like lava spike 2.0 and it says deal three damage to target player red sorcery and then you have other lava spike real lava spike in your hand and it says red sorcery deal three damage to target player you know one of those can probably be redirected to a planeswalker and the other one can't and that is just real stupid like i just don't understand why you would have virtual errata on hundreds of cards it's just not this benefit is not worth it like just change the rules so that planeswalkers can be targeted by things that target players or something or if the card says that it can target the planeswalker specifically then it's not targeting the player like i'm not sure exactly how to word the rules but like figure it out so you don't have to errata a bunch of cards that you can't physically see the text on i would only be okay with this announcement if the next week they came out and said that they were stopping print of paper magic cards and moving to complete digital realm where this wouldn't be such a complete disaster i don't know i was this is not going to be great i feel like this is one of the rules changes that will be reverted because there's going to be like a lot of confusion uh with with older cards and new cards this is just like not this is not what you want (laughs) what's the what's the time frame for reversion i mean i I don't know i guess it'll be like the first like high profile modern event where like someone new makes uh, like was just like i didn't know like how like how many judge calls are gonna be are gonna happen at modern gps after this thing happens and they start printing these other new cards right it's gonna be like judge i need to see the oracle text on whatever some eidolon right like what how does it work i have no idea they're like the opponent's gonna be like i don't even know i hope it can target the planeswalker maybe 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 I hope it, it can't. Like, I have no idea. It's like when it has Leyline in play, can it can it target the Planeswalker then, or is it, or can't it? I, no one knows, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a mess. But you know what? They knew before. Now they're not gonna know. So this is definitely worse. <laughs> the image in my head is too good. I just imagine Andy playing his first tournament against Burn as Affinity, and the Zero Blaze drops down. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Don't know. It's it's so bad. So like they've they've not made other changes that they said they would have made if they could have redone like the game from scratch that are more beneficial than this. So I'm not sure why they're like choosing like this. This is the hill they want to they want to die on, so to speak. Like Mero has said, like oh, I wish that instants were just like sorceries with flash. Just like makes more sense. You wouldn't have instant as a card type. Just be sorceries, and then if you want stuff to be cast at instant speed, it would have flash. Okay, cool. Like that makes sense, but they're not going to do it because, like, instance are a card type, and there's like too much like historic data there, right? Or like tribal, they didn't they got rid of tribal because it was like, oh, now every time we print it, like, should every goblin card be goblin card goblin tribal? Or like, just when we're using tribal in a set, it's like ah, it's kind of too messy. It's like, oh, does every like lightning bolt need to be like tribal lightning or every fireball like tribal fire or something like that? Like, oh, it's too messy. Like, we don't want to get into the business of doing that since there's like. So much other historical stuff, people be like, "Oh, what about Fireball? Is it Tribal Fireball? It's a, it's a Fireball, right?" And it would be very confusing from a rules perspective, especially if you like kind of virtually errated that. And instead, they chose to do it here. <laughs> I don't know. It's damn it. Well, why do we got to end on a low note, Car? Why do we got to end on a low note? I mean, it is cool that I think every almost everyone thinks. It seems universally agreed that this should have been the rule from the beginning. 
but you're making the argument, a good argument, that the plus EV play, given what's already in the database, all the cards that already exist, that it is not the best move uh, to do this. That's too late, and that the game will still be awesome without having to change what they feel is like a great fundamental change. I don't know if it's if it has like future sets or MTG arena implications at all, if it's better for the client or not, I don't think so. Um, but uh, Derek, what's your take? Uh, I, I would like to point out that I do think um, like the Eldrazi thing was a big eroded change. And the what idea was that again? The, every, every thing that added artifact mana in the existence of Magic the Gathering now added Wingdings mana. It's called colorless mana. Derek? Wingdings mana. No, but it was was never called artifact mana. Whatever. Like Soul <laughs> Ring adds two Wingdings, where before it added two generic mana. But like now, now it adds two Wingdings, and you can use it as generic mana. But like telling somebody who hasn't played since before uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, like they wouldn't understand the difference between that. And I think this is similar to that. Like. It's not as impactful, but I do think they have made changes. There's another one that I think happened with the way that cards were worded, like may and must abilities from 10th edition or something. But I think it's happened before, just never in such a, a weird way, like especially when you have so many legendary planeswalkers, like the new legendary rule. Now you have the planeswalker rule. Like there's definitely a lot to uh, unpack. I sort of disagree with your base there on the Wingding mana. <laughs> because the, the problem wasn't that that Soul Ring produced a different kind of mana before. It always produced colorless mana, but people thought generic mana and colorless mana were the same thing. And so like adding a symbol for colorless mana made everyone realize that like they actually like mostly misunderstand colorless mana and generic mana and don't understand the rules fully. Right. I don't think that they needed to create a symbol for it. <laughs> so maybe no, no, that was but that was the error, but I think this is where they're coming from with the planeswalker thing. Like but this is a change to the actual rules. The other one was just like a it's just a change to the symbol, right? Like there was no, no actual no. rules change. There was a rules change. You can't you can't cast out Drawsy spells without like you couldn't use generic mana. It like added a different mana symbol into the game. No, but there it was always like that. The problem was that you didn't know that until they explicitly made it something that you needed to know. Because before it didn't matter. There was no, there was no point where there was a, an actual game difference between generic and colorless mana. So people just used it interchangeably, which is incorrect. Then when they printed, like, Thought Nuts here or whatever, it's like, oh, they're actually different. Generic and colorless mana are, are different. <laughs> and, so, uh, that's, and so that's, that's when you saw it. Okay. It's fine. Okay, well, but, you can try and reiterate your point if you want. No, no, no it's, it's not worth my time. It's okay. But <laughs> I agree. I would like to say that this, I think the Planeswalker thing was also confusing to a lot of players. Like, uh, Lightning Bolt target you. Okay, it resolves. I'm going to redirect to your Planeswalker compared to, like, hooking somebody with countering it. So, like, that's a little confusing to me. And although it's confusing moving back now, I definitely think that in the future they're trying to patch up some confusion. And like they're printing Heroes Downfall, they're printing Brass's Contempt. If these spells can target Planeswalkers, why can't damage-based spells? And so I think, like, I hope, actually, I don't think this, but I hope in the future that they smooth everything out and it all makes sense. 
because the last couple of years of standard have not been great. <laughs> but uh, does lightning bolt work differently now? It still targets player or planeswalker, does it not? Listen, I don't know. I don't work at Wizards. I'm not a judge. I'm beyond me. There's no picture. I don't know what the card does. Yeah, see, this is the problem with the rules change. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, that's not out yet. I think um, it, instead of saying like target creature or player, it's going to say Lightning Bolt like, will deal three damage to any target or something like that. Is likely what's going to happen. Xylog had a good suggestion. Um, maybe nerf all the cards so that they can't, like all the old cards so that they can't target Planeswalkers. What do you think about that, Derek? Yeah. Yeah. Let, you know, let's just delete magic. Let's, let's create a new game and call it <laughs> Tadjum. Let's just start from the bottom. You know, 25 years, we've had a good run. New game. All right. They could just, like, make a whole whole new set that's just, like, the same, the nerf card, but, like, can target Planeswalkers. Yeah. Um, so you're saying, Derek, that you don't think this is a big deal and that, well, it is a big deal, but that, we'll, like, all these other rules, we are going to be adjusted to it in maybe within the, within the year. I think that... So what what I've what I've said in the past about rules change and about big changes in magic is that this is going to mess up the game as such the bannings. I don't think that'll happen this time and that's simply because Wizards is looking at not like people who aren't playing magic competitively. It's like we talk about Grand Prix and Eidolon. People sure couple, Yeah, yeah, the casuals if you will. Uh people picking up the game a year from now will have the rules explained to them this way and it'll make a lot of sense to them. Whereas people from old days, it'll be confusing, but we'll learn because we're involved in the game already. I think Wizards is trying to look for the future and fix this in such a sense. And I think they decided this is the best way. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm also not a judge, so I don't know exactly how the rules work specifically, but I think it's good. I don't I can't see a downside yet. Uh, so, Derek, the downside is when the new player that you said is going to have an easier time interacts with an old player using an old card and has to call a judge because he's never seen it before and doesn't think that it should actually be able to target his Planeswalker. You, you realize that when I read Sylvan Library or Chains of Mephistopheles, I have no idea what they do. In what format are you playing this card? Legacy. You, you, you're playing Legacy. I maybe or maybe not be playing uh, Legacy. Uh, yeah, okay, so you're but not playing Legacy. Your argument carries. It like as, no, as a, there's not a lot of Legacy event. People who play Legacy are, are very well invested. If I want modern to play players GP are Toronto, well invested. If I have to, if I have to play GP Toronto to know what these Legacy cards do. <laughs> I, I, I think wrong? that it it would be not the average case for someone that started playing Magic a year from now in three years' time to be a legacy player, but it probably is the average case that they end up picking up modern. You realize that you don't like Sylvan library just doesn't show up in legacy. It's also a commander card. Like it's probably one of the most played cards in commander and for it to be errated, like for you to show that like an old version to somebody, and then you have to announce how brainstorm works with it or how other draw effects happen in your library. Like there's so many different interactions in commander that we don't come across. So what you're saying is that, because there are c- cards that have problems with rules because they were designed very poorly and they needed to be errated later, that we should be okay with them doing this to 100 to 200 cards in one fell swoop. 
I'm saying that it's it's not a new issue. I'm saying that it's happened before. It'll probably happen again because it's happened a lot and like rules changes have happened a bit in the last couple of years that we will adjust. And I think your argument for people being confused is just why like what like it's happened before. Like this happened with these old cards. Yeah, but there's stakes in modern. There's no stakes in commander. Hey. The steak is fun. It doesn't matter. Well, I won. I lost. Who cares? We're just drinking. That's what we're doing. It doesn't matter. We we all stop playing eventually, right? (laughs) I'm just saying, like, there's usually things on the line where where these rules are going to be confused, where it's, like, not going to be the pace. Right, so just call a judge and learn the rules. Yeah, I mean, but, or just don't change the rules to something that, you know, is kind of irrelevant. The commander players have a lot of stake in magic right now, right? Wizards really needs to... Uh, cater to their commander crowd. They're printing commander decks now. Like, come on, Rob. The competitive <laughs> player is out. The casual player is in. And Jason Mind Sculptor. You were doing pretty good at the beginning of this cast. <laughs> we, we got you back. Welcome back. Listen, an hour and a half in, like, I, I don't even know what's going on. Anymore. <laughs> right. the, the, the real ginger comes out an hour and a half in. Um, I, I still think uh, Connor's insane. Um, so let's let's wrap the show up. Uh, shouts to the first strike producers: Jonathan Good, Kaus Merchick, Jay Thomas Eaton, Sasha Papo, Derek Pite himself, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Merchinson, uh, everyone in the chat, everyone who wished me happy birthday, Zilog for contributing so much to tonight's cast. Hope you can make it on to future shows. It was great to have you. You're right. Uh, other companies are able to keep secrets, and it just seems like Watsi can't. I guess it's just I'm. I'm seeing them doing it over and over again. And it just, I'm at this point, frankly, I'm just not surprised that things keep leaking and I wouldn't be surprised that the next, next set leak until they, I guess, come up with I uh, I don't know, stricter policy or uh, fewer people have the hands on these release notes. I, I really don't know the answer, but um, hopefully they're, they're going to learn from this once again. And, and I, I assume they, they've applied changes and, that they will do so again with a greater chance of success. But shout out to you, Zilog, for being in the chat and your contributions and, and everyone else, of course. Um, but just him, he came, he came out more just for uh, commenting on everything <laughs> that I said. Um, again, uh, apparel that people have been asking for is now available at manadeprived.com slash apparel. I'll have that link in the show notes. Uh, hoodie, uh, two shirts, get, get the pink one. Again, this is phase one. There's going to be a cap and, and a polo shirt and everything else if uh, this thing runs smoothly. And also not like guaranteed that this specific uh, design is going to last forever, meaning like we might have to keep to, to make sure that the costs are, are low. They're just swapping like three new designs at a time to make sure that we have stock and, and it makes sense for us to have. So. Who knows? It might be the only chance that we have this pink shirt on. So um, discount go for everyone in the nation. So go to patreon.com slash first strike if you want to join. And a lot of details on how to become a monthly or even year for the rest of the calendar year in there. So definitely check that if you want to love the show and support us. And again, really excited to bring the apparel for people that want to support the show, but really want something tangible instead of some uh, subscription. So uh yeah, with that, anything else, uh, Andy? I got nothing. I just can't wait to figure out what Steering Blaze does. 
All right. Well, well hopefully Jonathan Good can tell us in the nation. Um, Derek. Derek, last words? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't play modern, so I have nothing to worry about. So, uh, yeah, catch me on Twitter. Listen to me whine. At okay. Ginger. And Rob, Rob. I think the Flame of Keld is really good in modern. Flame of Keld, possibly great and modern dredge. Uh, shout us out if you agree as well. Follow us on at First Strike Pod on Twitter and definitely our Facebook page, First Strike Podcast. Who knows? Once I get some of the initial shirts and hoodies for myself, probably going to do some sort of giveaway either on the show, either on the Facebook page, or either on the Twitter page. So make sure to check those out or even during some of our uh, POV series. So we'll see. And Let's uh, for for Andy, Derek, Rob, and I. Uh, we'll thank you for for joining us. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll see you next Monday. Oh, 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 oh,